You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds will tick away, and the Atlanta Hawks have finally got a win on the home floor. It took them five games to do it. So that has to put a smile on the face of Budenholzer and, of course, the new owner, Tony Ressler of the Hawks. Travis Schlenk, their new general manager who came from the Golden State Warriors. The final score in this one is a whopping 126 to 80. Hey there. What's up? (laughs) Welcome in to another edition of Locked on Kings. Jason Ross here with you as uh, we continue to give you our daily podcast on all things NBA, but specifically your Sacramento Kings. And on Wednesday, November 15th, 2017, over an 82-game stretch, some of the games blend together, hard to differentiate. This is one that I think a lot of Kings fans will remember and remember for a lot of the wrong reasons. Um, It was awful. And you know I'm optimistic. I can find a silver lining. I can look at something to carry forward, to be positive about. I don't have it, and that's okay. It doesn't, I'm not going to force it. I don't feel like anything is there to be positive about what happened in Atlanta against the Hawks. It was downright ugly, unexplainable, um, unacceptable, and just an awful, awful performance that you hope is just one, but – this theme of not competing or not being in a chance to win on the road is is getting tiresome, I'm sure, for the players, the coaches, and certainly the fans, as it was ugly Wednesday in Atlanta, and the Hawks get the win, 126-80. to 80. The historical ramifications of that we will talk about here in today's podcast. The Kings now have not won in Atlanta since March 3rd, 2006, when Brad Miller led the team in scoring that day, 24 points and 10 rebounds. You realize Rick Adelman was still the coach of the team at that point. Sharif Abdurrahim came off the bench to score 12 against his former team, and they beat the Atlanta Hawks 102-93 back in 2006. But now this streak is going to continue and go into at least 2018. Maybe they won't even play him until 2019 when next year's schedule comes out. Who knows? But man, man, oh man, it was ugly. And if you're faint at heart, you got a little, uh, you're a little weak in the stomach. You might want to uh, remove yourself for the next portion of the podcast because here's how it sounded from Phillips Arena. Debman has to kick it out to the far corner. Here comes Prince baseline up and under reverse, and it's nine to nothing in favor of Atlanta. Dave Yeager has seen enough. Schroeder now working at the edge of the logo. Creeps toward the left side. Screen and roll. Feeds Deadman to the rack. No defense whatsoever. None. That's embarrassing. Deadman, 20-footer straight away. Scores it. Tell you what, Dwayne Deadman showing a nice touch. Deadman's the high scorer with 15 points in this ballgame. It's now a 30-point deficit for Sacramento. Well, I'm remembering a night in Chicago seven, eight years ago. Kings were down 35, beat the Bulls. Maybe that'll happen tonight. Here's Dedman into the lane. He's fouled. He scores. Three-point opportunity. Dwayne Dedman is looking like an absolute all-star tonight. The Kings have had nothing close to an answer for him. Kings have missed five consecutive shots. In transition, Bellinelli, touch pass to the corner. Three on the way. Successful. Pouring in Prince. This is now a full-fledged blowout, 53-37. Here's Torian Prince for three. Score it. This is just worse than ugly right now. 
It's 105 to 65. Can you say 40-point difference? I normally would say the good, the bad, and the ugly there, but it was all ugly. All ugly for the Sacramento Kings. And I'm going to recap it the best way I can. It's another wire-to-wire loss for the Sacramento Kings. Their third time in just 14 games this season that they've lost where they never had the lead in the game. Atlanta jumped out right away. 9-0. It was an 18-5 start. Kings are down 13, not even settled into the game. In that first quarter, Kings scored just 16 points, so it's another quarter in the teens. In fact, they had three in the game, a 16-point first, a 19-point second, a 19-point fourth, and a 26-point third, but they struggled to get to 80 points against an Atlanta team that gives up 111. They gave up 126. There's so many bad things all the way over. But if we start in order, the first quarter, as I mentioned, 18-5. They're trailing 9-0 early. Atlanta shot 53% in the opening quarter, hit three threes. I thought, personally, that was some of the worst defense I've ever seen from the Sacramento Kings. Now, a lot of people look at the offense. The offense wasn't good. I get it. They didn't make shots. I thought they had decent looks for some of the quarter. They shot 24%, got out-rebounded, points in the paint, everything. Got outplayed completely from the get-go, from the first quarter. But sometimes those quarters do happen. So it's okay. That's where I'm the optimist. You have a 53% shooting quarter. The Kings have a 24%. A lot of times that switches. Maybe not in a quarter, but maybe certainly by half. Things kind of normalize and teams shoot about 40 to 50%. Well, second quarter didn't get much better. At least right away it did, though. The Kings cut it to five. Felt like they were in it early in the second quarter, and then you know, you know, you blink and it's a 20 point deficit again. And the Kings at the half shooting 29%. Atlanta was shooting 58%. They led 64 35 at the half. Dwayne Dedman, career high, was 19 points and 12 rebounds. He had 18 and 11 at halftime. Yeah, that's the way it was going for the Sacramento Kings. Third quarter didn't get any better. There was a couple of sequences that just epitomized the way the night went the one in the third quarter there's a play where it looks like justin jackson gets fouled or he did get fouled and it was called looks like he gets an and one the way it happened costa kufis went up and kind of finished the play he he, basket interference is what was called so he he touched the ball grabbed the rim wave off the basket so all right too bad you don't get the and one but justin jackson goes to the free throw line he missed both so you think you might have a three-point play, instead you got zero. It wouldn't have changed the game. It's That's the kind of night. Nothing went wrong for the Kings, and honestly, nothing deserved to go right for the Kings. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. They didn't play well, and it was a head-scratcher at how poorly they played. So when we put this in historical com- uh, you know, kind of context, the Kings lost 126-80. to That has become the largest margin of victory in the history of the Atlanta Hawks. A Hawks history that has a pretty good history. Right now, they currently have the longest playoff streak in the Eastern Conference, which actually is a very surprising figure that they've made it 10 straight years in a row. But that was a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals that had Paul Millsap, Jeff T, Kyle Korver. That was a team, remember, that was making a run for a deep playoff berth but had four All-Stars. That was a good team, a 60-win team just a couple of years ago. And it wasn't the Dominique Wilkins-led human highlight film type team. Kevin Willis, Doc Rivers, Spud Webb, just all these other guys that they've had over the years. Danny Manning, some good Atlanta Hawks teams. They never won a game against anybody. 
by 46 points. But it's this team, the Atlanta team that had not won a home game, the Atlanta team that had only two wins overall, that started Torian Prince, Luke Babbitt, Dwayne Dedman, Kent Bazemore, Dennis Schroeder. I can almost guarantee any amount of money that I have that I own in my personal, you know, whatever portfolio. I don't have a portfolio, but you know what I mean. Whatever I own that 10 years from now, maybe not even that far removed, that trivia question could be asked. On the night the Hawks blew out the Kings, who were the five that started for the Atlanta Hawks? Nobody's going to get all five. Nobody would. And that team beat the Sacramento Kings by 46. And so when I was thinking about that, watching the game, listening to the game, just digesting it all, I said, how does that team beat the Kings by 46? I guess the same could be flipped around. If somehow, someway, the Kings won the game by 46 over Atlanta, the people in Atlanta would be saying the same thing. A team that was Bogdanovich, Randolph, Cauley Stein, Temple, and George Hill? Yeah, that's what people in Atlanta would be saying. And they're probably saying, man, those Kings, they're awful. And I don't blame them because what they saw, the Kings were awful. Can't find a stat I like. I mentioned Kings shot 35%, 21% from three, 12 of 20 from the free throw line, got crushed in the rebounds, 53 to 29. Assists, Kings had 18, 12 turnovers. That number is actually okay. I found a number that was okay, but only 18 assists. I always tell you 30 assists is a magic number. You win most times. Nine times out of 10, you get 30 assists. How about when you get 40? That's what the Atlanta Hawks had, 40 assists. And they had eight players in double figures. The Kings had two. 21 for Schroeder, 20 for Deadman, 14 for Prince, 13 for Babbitt. They started. Babbitt didn't even play the second half and had 13. Off the bench, 14 from X-King, or from John Collins. X-King, Marco Bellinelli had 10. 10 for Delaney, 12 for Isaiah Taylor. The Hawks had a 40-point second, a 34-point fourth. They get 126 and easily beat the Sacramento Kings. Kings were led by Zach Randolph, 16, 12 for George Hill, and there's just nothing there, nothing else from anybody of distinction for the Sacramento Kings. And where this falls in line for Sacramento in the 30-plus years they've been here, Despite not beating Atlanta since 2006 and now 5-26 and 26 all-time in Atlanta against the Hawks, these are the kind of numbers they were dealing with on Monday night. Largest loss in Kings history, Sacramento Kings history, 62 points to Golden State back in 91, but that was a very good Warriors team. 58 points to Milwaukee the first year they were here in 85. It was a decent Milwaukee team. 89 Phoenix Suns, a good team. That was 55 points. 48 to Phoenix in 09, 47 to Chicago in 91. So 09 was the most recent, but it's nearly been 10 years. And 46 on Wednesday night, the sixth largest loss in the history of the Sacramento Kings. And when we've talked about things like, well, a loss is a loss. True, it is. But this one feels different. And it feels different in the sense that I would, in one sense, you would rather lose by one because it senses, you know, you get the feeling like you're competing. You'll say the what if game, oh, if I did this, if I made this shot, if I boxed out here, if I made that free throw. But it hurts. It hurts. It's painful when you lose by one because you're thinking of all the different things you could have done. In this case, to me, if anybody's been on any kind of competitive team, when you lose like this, you're embarrassed. You're absolutely embarrassed. And fans, I know myself, media, you question everything. Question everything that's going on right now. That's what's going to naturally happen. And the players, 
I think they need to do some individual soul searching and say, what can I do? How can I be better? What can I do to help? What else could I have done tonight going forward? The roles of the mentors on this team, the veterans, they will be very important in going forward. You don't want guys like Malachi and Scal and De'Aaron and Buddy, Willie, to get used to losing games like this. They have seen too many times here on the road where they've lost this badly, and now they need to find a way to be more competitive on the road. The last two games at home, encouraging, great. I think that's what this team has shown us in this last five games, right? The two games at home, good wins. They don't have to apologize for those. They played well against OKC, well enough. They found a way to win. They weren't great, but they won. thought they played pretty well against Philadelphia. That was a fun game. They're capable of that. But they're also obviously more than capable of doing what they did in this three-game road trip. Getting blown out by the Knicks, getting blown out by Washington, and then the worst team they played on the trip having one of their worst games in franchise history, losing by 46. So big picture, what does it mean? I don't know. As far as 3-11, and I didn't have huge expectations for this team. I think I told you before I gave them 27 wins. That number now for the moment seems high, but it's still early enough in the season. That wouldn't have made the playoffs. This team I don't think is making the playoffs. I think that's safe to say. But can they still do all of the things that they're looking for even with this result? And the things they're looking for is development of young guys, uh, getting minutes and opportunities for guys going through experiences like this as much as this stinks. Going through stuff like this is important. I don't like it. No one likes it. But is this still going to be productive for them in their growth? They need to make sure that it is. It has to be. Otherwise, they did all of the gutting of the, the best player and losing, moving Rudy Gay and Isaiah over the years, all this stuff, to get to here to the full rebuild. If, if they can't grow as young players, then they've done nothing. But you grow from things like this. You have to. And it's painful. It stinks, like I said. But it has to get better. It does. And again... We do this day by day, so we're looking at the immediacy of what they did Wednesday against Atlanta, which was awful. But can they make the steps, you know, again, as we spread it out? You look at five games, ten-game chunks, and then you say, oh, man, that Atlanta game was awful. Maybe that was the low point of the season. We hope this is the low point of the season. Not in as far as the win-loss record where it's going, but I hope there isn't a game we see that's worse than this. If there is, oh, boy, I don't want to live it. (laughs) I don't want to live that game, right, and go through it and witness it and see it. But – That's the reality of what happened. They got blown out. So how did the coach handle it? Well, here's Dave Yeager after the loss. It was a night of, uh, you know, Atlanta's been playing hard and hasn't been rewarded with a win. uh, But they've been in a lot of games. And we we told our guys, you know, you got to be ready to play uh, because they'll come at you. They compete and they play hard. And, uh, you know, losing is one thing. Uh, we got to do a much better job of being a, of competing. Um, and you don't have to be a, an a-hole to play competitive, get in it, get after it, uh, aggressive basketball, taking hits, giving hits. Uh, and we just, you know, they, and then did they make shots? Yeah, but we, uh, you know, I'm happy for them. When you go back and look at film of this game, Coach, where's the first place you're going to start to try and break it down? No, it's just individual uh toughness and and you know we got a lot of nice guys i love them i love them but we we got to find i never said that i would split the minutes between 10 guys or 11 guys Uh, i'm looking for guys who jump up and say you know what i play so hard you should be playing me i'm playing so well you should be playing me and uh you know we're just we're not getting that collectively right now 
Well, Coach talks about a couple of things there that basically are what I was talking about too. And you have to compete. You have to. And I don't always want to get the poor results confused with effort because sometimes you can just play poorly, but you could be – it looks like you're trying hard and you're playing you're competing. I don't know that I felt that. I think we had a combo of both. And when you're not getting rebounds, you know, out-rebounded 53-29, to that's a position of effort. I know they're smaller at a lot of positions, maybe younger, maybe not as strong. Okay, try harder. Work harder at it. Be be quicker to the ball. Find some way. And coach also saying, looking at individual toughness. That that's a tough ask. The coach shouldn't have to ask for that. And people that say the coach needs to make sure they're ready to play. Playing the little bit of competitive sports that I did, I would never, ever, ever blame my coach for that. I would look at myself right in the mirror and say, I didn't have it. I didn't have it. I don't know that I need to call out a teammate, but if I feel like I do in the locker room, I would. And but I, I think it's collectively. If you, you know, if I could list the players that I thought played hard and played well, I would. But I think that list is doesn't exist. So that's troublesome, at least for that part. I would almost guarantee that they would play well the next game. Play hard, excuse me. I don't know about well. Play hard. So, again, not confusing effort with um, the results because the results can be bad and there still could be some effort, even though usually they work together. But in this case, none of it was working. So the coach shouldn't have to ask for or need that, but he was looking for it. And go down the line. Veterans, young guys, big, smalls, it just – they didn't have it. They did not have it, and it was tough to take. All right, how about one of them that lived it? A veteran, George Hill. He's been in maybe something similar to this. Who knows if he's ever had a loss this bad. But George Hill afterwards talked about the loss. What was the message from the coaching staff after this one? We just need, need more guys out there uh, as a whole, you know, fighting, competing. You know, we felt like 46 points in the NBA, it's almost like you laying down. you got to compete every possession and – you know, including myself at times, you know, um, as, as a leader, I got to take it upon myself to, you know, do a little bit better and competing on, on both ends of the floor. But um, I think, you know, you can't point anybody out. I think we're all poor, you know, offensively and defensively tonight. Do you feel that your guys' offensive struggles early in the game really dictated kind of how things went on the other end of the court? I mean, yeah, I think on, on both ends, you know, we, we were out of sort, you know, out of sync, you know, the whole night. So, um, sometime you got to, you know, take it for what it is, learn from it, um, try to figure out how we can get better. You know, I think, you know, we got to watch a little bit more film and, and try to figure those things out. But, um, you know, we owe Sacramento, you know, our, our fans better than what we're, we're showing them tonight, right, right? Like tonight. When the game gets down lopsided, it's the type of game where the players have to, you guys kind of look at yourselves first and figure out what you can do individually. I mean, definitely so. You know, the coach can only coach. You know, we're out there on the court. You know, as players, we got to take full responsibility of ourselves. You know, we, we're out there and play like crap. So um, that loss is on us as individuals and as players. So, um, it, like you said, it starts with us. We got to look at ourselves and, and compete a little bit harder and, and try to, you know, go out there and just fight. All right, now that's what I'm talking about. Like George there, a little bit more accountable for himself, for his teammates. It's got to be better. I mean, there's just is no other way to explain it, that they have to come out with more passion, more fire, and hopefully they'll execute and do something out of character. Go for a loose ball. Push a guy. I don't know. Whatever whatever it is to get you motivated. Coach Yeager was talking about you don't have to be an a-hole to compete, and he's right. they got a bunch of nice guys, a bunch of likable guys. I think that's good. I think, by and large, you want to play with people you like. 
I think that's a healthy locker room, a healthy environment. But if you're winning 15 games a year and you got a bunch of nice guys, that's a great locker room. That's not what anybody wants either. I think you can have an environment with a bunch of good guys that win. Now, they're not there yet, but that would be a pretty fun experience. If you have everybody that likes each other, you're winning, you got some pretty cool people to rally around, that to me would be great. But they're not in that spot yet, and I don't know if they'll get there, but I know that's what they want to be. They're just not there yet. So, wow, tough one to, to tolerate and deal with and put up with, but there'll be another one tomorrow when the Kings will take on the Portland Trailblazers. And we'll look ahead to that in our final episode of the week. You want to get in the mailbag, you can do that. Jason.Ross at CBSRadio.com or at JasonRoss1140 on Twitter. We thank you for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow for another edition of Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.